Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. Uh, This is the show where we talk about a lot of fun stuff in the world of golf, and we've got a really fun uh, guest for us today. But first, we want to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended. By the way, if you go to the Painted Hills Natural Beef website, go to their online store, which has been redone, and... um, Place an order down the bottom. You'll see a little coupon or coal code. Uh, you can type in BBQ Nation. That's Barbecue Nation. As you know, that's my other show. And you'll get 15% off. This is the first time they've ever done that for people. So give it a shot. Go to PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com. Well, have you ever dreamed of hitting the ball farther than possibly you walked five miles in the snow to school as you were a kid? Uh, we've got the guy here today just to do it. David Brinker who I've met a couple of times at the Portland golf show. David is a long drive champion. We'll talk about his record a little bit later, but uh, David, welcome. It's good to be here. (laughs) How in the world did you get involved in long drive? Oh my goodness, Jeff. It's uh, quite a story. Uh, uh, I got involved in long drive in 2004. I was sitting at home. And at the time I lived in Missouri, I was sitting there and I typed the word long drive into my computer. And what popped up but a uh, website for the the long drivers of America. And I looked at it and uh, turned to my wife. Uh, They were going to have a tour qualifier in April of that year. This was January that I did this uh, in Dallas. And I turned to my wife and I said, I think I'm going to do this. And uh, her response was, uh, I don't care. And so I thought, well, I'm in. So I went down to the range, started hitting some balls, and a person saw me and uh, said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm getting ready to go to compete in this long drive competition. And he said, uh, he pointed at my club and he said, with that? And I said, well, yes, uh, that's what I'm going to do. And he said, no. He said, "Uh, long drivers use different equipment. So he gave me some advice. I went and called a few long drivers and uh, went, had my swing tested, and had one club built that I took to Dallas with me. And um, that's how it all started. What was the big difference between the club you were using on the range, which I assume was right out of your golf bag, and uh, the one you bought? It was. uh, It was a nine and a half degree Adams Redline driver. That was my playing driver at the time. And uh, what I had built to compete in long drive was a six degree lofted head on a 48-inch triple X-stiff shaft, Uh, and that was my long drive club. So I practiced with it and practiced and uh, 
then went to Dallas to compete in this uh, double elimination qualifying for uh, my long drive tour card. And how'd you do? Uh, well, I did rather well. Uh, the, it was a double elimination, thank goodness. The first time I uh, stepped up on the tee, and, and uh, out of those six balls, my longest drive was only a measly 337 yards. And uh, I asked people if they ever talked to themselves, which they all do. And so I went back over to the range, had a little talk with myself, and said I didn't come down here just to hit twice and go home. And the next time I got up, uh, they called me to the tee. I went, and uh, out of those six balls, my longest one was 399 yards. And um, everybody started saying, who's this guy from uh, St. Louis with one club hitting at 399? And the rest is basically history. <laughs> well, when you say a triple X stiff shaft there, um, that's something like I would out be hoeing the garden with. Well, you could, but they did have stiffer shafts. I didn't need one. Uh, I had a Penley triple X stiff shaft, and Penley at the time made a uh, what they called a two by four, and it was like a two by four, only uh, it was like uh, rebar. It was that stiff, but uh, the triple X stiff was uh, just the right club for me, and it was uh, perfect. the uh, The shaft was good, and uh, I proceeded to, to hit the ball. Uh, 399 yards, which ended up being the third longest ball of that day's entire competition. So I'm, uh, I was rather pleased with it. Okay. So I got to ask, I, I, I've seen you do your talks, your demonstrations at the Portland golf show for a couple of years now. And most people, I mean, I can't hit a ball that far and I'm a pretty solid guy and I'm a pretty, I mean, when I hit it, yeah, I can hit it, but I only hit it 225. If a good day when I get, you know, 40 yards a roll on it, I'll in the summertime, I can get it 250, 275, but how do people actually, you know, get behind it and push through it and get it down that far? Well, um, the, the one thing you do have to stay behind the ball and you have to create, uh, what's called lag. You, you have to create lag from the top down to the bottom when you let that club go at the bottom and that creates that centrifugal force that generates the club head speed that compresses the golf ball, but, uh, makes it go out there very far. Now you also have to uh, have a good launch angle on it. You don't want uh, something to just uh, skim along the ground and stop uh, quickly. You want to launch it at the optimum launch angle, and you want to have the least amount of spin that's possible when you're hitting that driver. And that comes with practice. And uh, there was a gentleman uh, that hit a golf ball uh, a very good distance, and he uh, won a lot of golf tournaments by the name of Ben Hogan. And Mr. Hogan said that uh, golf was a game that's played uh, by six inches. It's a six inches between our ears. And uh, we all have a lot of bad habits that we have to get out of. And uh, you get out of the bad habits by practicing. And uh, that's what I did. I practiced and practiced and practiced. And uh, by and large, uh, was able to hit it a, a long, long way. The furthest I ever hit it in a competition was 413 yards. Wow. Now, again, I watched you, I watched your, your talk at, at Portland just a couple, three weeks ago. 
but I've watched the long drive uh, competitions on golf channel and stuff a few times. Some of those guys come right out of their shoes. Uh, well, a lot of them, a lot of them are just violent, Jeff. Uh, that's what I call it. They're violent. They are swinging mightily and they are swinging as fast as they can with the intention and the hopes that one of those balls that they have to hit is going to find the grid and stay in the grid and be their longest ever that they've hit in competition. So there are a lot of factors that uh, enter into it. Where is the wind coming from? Is it blowing into you? Is it blowing from the right side, the left side? Is it behind you? Uh, there are a lot of factors that go into it. Um, what are the grid conditions? Is it a perfectly flat grid or does it have some moguls in it? Uh, if it's a perfectly flat grid, then how tall is the grass? Because if the grass is tall, you know, a golf ball is going to slow down rather quickly. Sure. If the grass is mowed nice and short, then you're going to get some roll out of it. And you want to get that top spin on it so that you can get the roll. Yeah. It just, it just, uh, to me, it seemed like I'm talking about the way you said these guys strike it violently. Um, I think the couple of the coaches that I've worked with on and off over the years would probably, uh, if they saw me do that, they'd have apoplexy or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, you you know some of some of those guys. Well, a lot of those guys. They're uh, they're young, and our bodies have a tendency to be able to swing that rapidly, and uh, to make those violent moves when we're young. Uh, as we uh, mature a little in life, uh, our bodies change, and we uh, can't uh, make those moves that rapidly anymore. Uh, it's just father time sets in and uh, we have a tendency to slow down our swings a bit. But if you stay in good shape and stretch, that's what I do. I stretch quite a bit. Uh, you can keep that flexibility that you need in order to swing that club, to generate that club head speed, to make the ball uh, go as far as it can. I know father time, he's a kind of an unforgiving SOB at times. <laughs> I, I would well, say that just my opinion though, David, just my opinion. Well, We're going to take a break with <laughs> and be back with David Brinker, a world long drive champion right after this on grilling at the green. Please stay with us. everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green here on, um, actually... Not only are we based in Portland and we've got stations in, in Texas and Oklahoma and places like that, but we're also now on the Golf News Network 24-7 uh, radio uh, channel on iHeart. And this show airs at noon Eastern time on Sundays. So there you go. We would like to welcome everybody who listens to that show. If you've got uh, questions for us, just e email us at info at grilling at the green dot net. And of course we're on Facebook and Twitter and all those uh, annoying social media platforms. I say that kind of tongue in cheek. They've become a big part of our business now, David, as you know, from your, 
your other golf business, but it's kind of a half to deal uh, with those platforms. I can tell you that. Um, well, it certainly is. Yeah. It's uh, guys with a little uh, age and wisdom on us like us. Uh, we've had to kind of come up to speed on that. And speaking of coming up to speed, you know, how do you, how do you transfer from what you do in the long drive? Cause I know you play regular golf too. Yes. How, I mean, do you try to do that when you're out there with your buddies on Saturday morning playing? Do you try to just, you know, whomp the hell out of that golf ball and, and have them go, David, we can't even play with you anymore. Well, well, no, I don't do that, Jeff, but I can't get anybody to go to the very back tees to play with me. They all want to pay from uh, either the blue tees or the forward tees, and, and that's fine. Uh, but no, I don't try to, to hit it as far as I can hit it when I'm doing long drive competitions, uh, simply because I want to play the golf course. I don't want the golf course to play me. Right. And that's what happens in so many cases where a guy will uh, step up to the first tee. They won't be loosened up. They'll have their driver in their hand and they'll swing mightily at it. And it'll go uh, off to the right in the woods or it'll go off to the left in the woods. And, and that starts the mental uh, game for them the, the rest of the day. Uh, where I will, uh, you know, look at a hole and play the hole uh, from green to tee. Uh, I know what I can hit a wedge. And if I've got a hole that uh, I don't need to use driver, I'm not going to use driver. Uh, I very seldom use driver when I'm playing a round of golf. I'll use it on some par fives or maybe a, a long par four. But uh, there are a number of holes where I don't have to use a driver to, to get it in play and uh, then to score. Do you use like a three or do you use like a driving iron? Cause I know those are kind of making a bit of a comeback for people. It depends on the hole, Jeff. I'll use a three wood from time to time and I'll even go down. I'm still the old school kind of guy where I'll use a, a, a three iron, a four iron or a five iron to tee off depending on the length of the hole. Yeah. Just keep it in the short grass. <laughs> well, it's a lot It's a lot easier to hit it from the short grass, and it's a lot easier to get it to the green when you're coming out of the short grass. Yeah, that, that is the truth. Uh, <clears throat> I'm a living uh, example of that because I, I came, I grew up on a farm, so I was used to hay fields. You know what I mean? So <laughs> well, I, I grew up on a farm also, and yes, I am used to a hay field, and uh, those hay bales in the summertime get a little bit heavy. Yeah, but, they, uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, but uh, but golf is a game. Golf is a game that you can play your entire lifetime and have a lot of fun with it. If you just don't try to overthink what you have to do, you think that's a big problem for people, David? I mean, <clears throat> look, uh, I've made jokes about this, uh, my game, but because somebody asked me the other day on a on a Twitter feed something, and they said you know, tell us about your swing thoughts. And I said, well, I don't really have any because I've tried that. And all it did was make my mind race. And I have a tough time controlling my brain anyway. That's why I do the work that I do because it just moves so fast. But I try not to think of anything, just relax and hit the ball. But when I've as tried. I, go ahead. As, as I think that that's what you should do. Uh, because most people, what they do is they'll have a thousand different thoughts in their mind when they step up to hit the golf ball. And, uh, 
generally their last thought is not the most positive thought that they could have. No. Uh, when I did that, I mean, I found myself thinking about, let's see, uh, I got to paint the bathroom when I get home. I, I've got to, you know, change the oil in the car or whatever it is. And you, and that really distracts you from just relaxing and hitting the ball. And it view. also distracts you. It also distracts you. Uh, if you've got a, a foursome of people you're playing with, uh, the amount of money you're playing for. So, uh, you know, Lee Trevino was uh, an interesting gentleman where he'd, uh, he'd play a, a $10 Nassau with only $5 in his pocket. So, uh, you know, he, he, you have a tendency to 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 want to worry a little bit about what you're doing out there. Yeah, that that is true. And I've been in that position where you had two bucks and, you know, you ended up owing 40 or something. So it it, well, didn't, it didn't work out that well. I think that's probably happened to to a lot of guys that go out and play. A lot of guys and gals, for that matter, uh, that go out and play. Uh, they think uh, too much about what they have to do, and uh, they generally uh, don't perform to their best. Now, that club you're using in the in the long drive competitions, David, is that's not legal for weekend play, is it? Oh yes, it is. is it, it is the. The long drive clubs that we have to have must be USGA approved. So they have to have the head size that is uh, approved and the shaft length that's approved. Uh, the only thing in long drive that is consistent uh, among the sport is the ball. We all have to use the same type of ball that is provided to us, but the clubs, they just have to conform to the USGA. It could be a TaylorMade, it could be a, a Titleist, it could be a Callaway, it could be a crank, it could be any kind of club head, uh, as long as it's got uh, the appropriate size, along with the appropriate length of shaft. Anybody ever try to sneak something by? Like oh, yes. spring-loaded oh. club fees or something? Well, we, we had a guy one time, he uh, smeared Vaseline. He had Vaseline oh, yeah. on his shoe, and he would rub the club face on his shoe until they saw what he was doing and then found out that he had Vaseline on it, which would cut down on the spin rate. So uh, that uh, they do check things. They, they check the size of the clubs. They check them for uh, all of the requirements that, are re that we have to abide by in right. order to compete. Wow, that's <laughs> Vaseline on the shoe. That's an old baseball trick. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're <laughs> going to be back with David Brinker, uh, world long drive champion right after this. Don't go away. Hey, it's JT, and this part of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan Golf. Check them out online at benhogangolf.com. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. Uh, we'd like, again, we, we would like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef the way nature intended. Intended. Can't talk today for some reason. I guess it's Monday. Uh, you want to check out their online store that's been uh, redone, and they've got some great beef, and it will be delivered directly to your door. And just be sure and enter in the, the promo code BBQNation on that. Also, the folks at Birdie Ball, they're in... Um, 
Colorado, John Breaker and his family, Birdie Ball. In uh, 2022, the Birdie Ball practice putting mats were rated the very best by my golf spy. So check them out online at birdieball.com. We're talking with David Brinker, world long drive champion. Uh, how many how many championships have you won, David? Well, uh, I've won two world long drive championships and five United States. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, I, I have been blessed. I, I have uh, I've been competing uh, for quite a number of years, and uh, I've been fortunate uh, never to have uh, a major injury that has prevented me from competing. You know, you were <clears throat> you were talking in the last segment. I'm kind of jumping backwards here, so forgive me. Uh, you were talking about one guy putting Vaseline on his shoe and then rubbing the club face on it. I read not long ago, and these guys actually got taken to court. They were cheating in a bass fishing competition uh, up in Minnesota or someplace like that. And they were putting pieces of fish that they'd already caught, stuffing it down their mouth and also putting lead weights in there. And when they pulled the fish out of the <laughs> tank, you know, this they pulled one fish out from another team and it weighed, you know, two pounds. And this this bass they pulled out weighed 10 pounds and they were the, exactly the same <laughs> size. So they opened them up and found out, uh, you know, how these guys were cheating. Anyway, they got prosecuted for that. I find that kind of fascinating. But back to golf here. You said you stretched. I really think, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I really think out of everything that people can do to prepare, I think walking and stretching to play golf is, my opinion, is probably the best thing you can do. I'm plenty strong. I've I've seen you. You're plenty strong. But what kind of stretches do you do? And do you also walk to, to as part of your regiment? Yes, yes. I, 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 would, I love to walk the golf course. Then I get a feel for it, and that also helps. But I do walk daily. And uh, from a stretching standpoint, uh, the core of your, of your body is a real, real, has to be real strong in order for you to hit it. Everybody thinks, oh, I have to have these big bulky arms to hit a golf ball a long, long way. Uh, your core muscles have to be very strong because the transfer of weight, when you turn on a golf ball, you want to be able to have good, accurate balance, and you want to be able to move that weight forward uh, to be able to generate more club head speed. And as you do that, it is very important. So stretching is a big, big thing. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of guys that will uh, stand on one leg, hold the golf cart, you know, stretch the, the, the back of the, the leg that they are holding. Uh, I see people trying to push a golf cart over. I see people pulling on a golf cart. Any stretches that you can do while you're out at the golf course to keep your back loosened up, because once it tightens up, you're not going to be able to swing as fast as you should or you won't be able to be as accurate as you can. Uh, if you notice throughout the years, Fred Couples, Fred's always had some back issues, but he's been able to compete, and he's been able to compete because he does a lot of stretching uh, before he goes out on the golf course, and he stretches after he completes his round. And most of the pros, that's what they're going to do. They do stretch a lot. Um, you know, um, Scotty Scheffler, uh, the – uh, current Masters Championship uh, set to defend this week. Uh, Scotty has a regimen that he uses that's different than others. Is there any one good method for stretching? No, it's what uh, what the human body 
uh, will adapt to. Uh, we all have different shapes and sizes, and uh, some of the things that I might be able to do, other people can't do, and vice versa. So a good stretching routine just to get those muscles loosened up is so, so important when you're going to play a round of golf or compete in a long drive competition. So the average amateur golfer, I think, I think I was told and I read it too, that their average swing speed is somewhere around 89 miles an hour, maybe up to 90, something like that. And then the, the better the golfer, a lot of times they increase that swing speed, but the pros are swinging at, you know, 115, 120, because they have all those stats now readily available for you on TV. What is your swing speed? When I when I'm swinging in a long drive competition, my swing speed is 125 miles an hour. And you're 70 years old, David. I, I am 72. Man, that is- and proud and proud of it, Jeff. I'm proud of it. Um, my swing speed was in the 130s when I first started, and uh, that's been when I was back in my 50s. Uh, but I've been I've been blessed. Like I say, I have been an athlete all of my life and uh, grew up on a farm and uh, worked hard and developed good, strong muscles. And I don't have to lift weights. I don't have to, to worry about, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I just have to make sure that my muscles will turn when I want them to turn. How does somebody go, and maybe it's not physically possible, but let me just put it in this way then, David. How can somebody gain 5 to 10 miles an hour on their swing speed? What they can do is very, very simple. Um, you can get, uh, a weighted club or you can get, there are many, many swing trainers out now. Uh, I happen to use one called the arrow swing and I'm not here to plug, uh, you know, any okay. person's product, but, but, uh, I happen to use the arrow swing and what it does, it provides resistance while I'm swinging the golf club. And what I try to do is swing that as fast as I can. I'm not hitting a golf ball with it, but I'm just trying to swing faster. And what it does after I put that down from a resistance standpoint, I am able to pick up my long drive club and swing it faster than I would had I just picked it up and started to swing it. So uh, in developing that, uh, one has to just, you can do it in your own backyard uh, without any golf balls teed up, just go out there and swing a weighted club or swing uh, something that's going to provide resistance in your swing. Uh, because then when you swing that as rapidly as you can, when you get your regular club in your hands, you will be able to swing it faster. That makes a lot of sense. I think, I think one of the big things for people, and maybe it's just they're perfectly content with the way they play. A lot of people don't practice over the winter time, especially if you live up north, like I do, across the northern regions. It's uh, you know, you look out there and you got four feet of snow. Uh, when you lived in Missouri, you probably had that a few times, and uh, you know, uh, or here in the northwest, uh, if you live at the lower elevations, we get a good portion of rain on the west side of all the states up here. So, you you know, you really don't want to go outside. You you know, I have my clubs. You can't see them, but they're right behind me. They always sit right there, and I can go out, and I can 
practice my chipping and stuff or do whatever. I've got nets in the back and all that kind of stuff. But when you really need to go out there and make a full swing and practice that, sometimes it's like, you know, I think I'll go, uh, I, I think I'll go watch the baseball game instead <laughs> or something, you know, it's just uh, kind of human nature. It is, it is human nature. And, uh, you know, practicing is difficult. Practicing is difficult because there was a, a gentleman who won uh, quite a few tournaments by the name of Jack Nicholas, And uh, Jack Nicholas said, practice with a purpose. If we practice with a purpose, our game will get better. But we have to do that. So many times when people are able to practice, they'll go out to the range and they'll drag out a driver out of their bag first thing and start swinging it. And if it doesn't do what they think it's supposed to do, then they'll change to a different club and they won't work through their entire bag or some people do work through their entire bag and they start off with their wedges which is the right thing to do but during that winter season when you can't go outside and swing a golf club that's when it becomes even more beneficial for you to continue your stretching motions inside the comforts of your home and you can even develop stronger muscles by some very simple simple ta uh, uh, tasks. You can take a, uh, a weighted hammer that you can buy at any one of the hardware stores, and you can hold that in your hand and stand in a standing position and just with your wrist, move that hammer up and down and backwards and forwards and hold your arm out in front of you and rotate your arm. And that will keep that strength up that you have a tendency to lose in the winter months if you don't do anything. David and I will be back right after this. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. We're talking with David Brinker, World Long Drive Champion. But first, we're going to get our weekly golf tip from Bruce Furman. Hi, this is Bruce Furman. I'm the Director of Instruction out at Langdon Farms. And today's tip's going to be on how to hit a fairway bunker shot. When you're in a fairway bunker, you've got to learn to hit, hit the ball or strike the ball first and then either pick it off the, the top of the sand or, or at least strike the ball, then the sand. You don't want to hit it fat then you're not going to get very far. When you're in a greenside bunker, you want to hit it fatter, meaning hit behind the ball, but not in a fairway bunker. So what you want to do is to dig your feet in to get a secure grip with your feet, and then as deep as you dig your feet in, two inches, one inch, three inches, whatever it might be, you need to choke up on your club to match that so that when you swing, you're not going to hit behind the ball. I would advise taking more club, at least one more than what you normally would hit, and and make a little smaller, more controlled swing. Sometimes if you're able to, to hit a fade or a, a ball that curves to the right for a right-hander, that's an easier shot to play out of a bunker than it is to hit a, hit a draw or a hook. You definitely want to choose a club that you can get over the lip with, even if you hit the ball what we call thin, meaning you, just, you catch it on the low part of the face, because you don't want to hit that... that uh, front edge of the bunker and, and leave your ball in the bunker. So so use 
you know, don't be a hero if you if you need a, a nine iron to get out, even though it's an eight or seven to get there, go ahead and hit that shot. You, you, you probably can get that ball up and down or at least save some strokes if you get out of the bunker, and you'll lose strokes if you hit that lift. So when you're in the bunker, if anything, you want to hit it again thin where you don't hit the sand behind it in the fairway bunker. And so choke up, dig your feet in, and pick that ball off the top of the sand. I hope that helps you. Thank you, Bruce. We appreciate that. If you want to find out more about Bruce and his uh, teaching and maybe book a lesson with him or something like that, just go to Langdon Farms. Click on instruction. There's a drop-down menu, and you will see Bruce there in his smiling face and his silver gray hair. Good-looking guy that he is, and you can book that uh, right there online. So we're talking with David Brinker today, uh, world long-drive champion. David's got some other golf uh, businesses that he works with. And we're going to talk to, uh, about those a little bit in after hours because I've conned him into sticking around for a couple extra minutes. But David, what's the biggest piece of advice that you could give to somebody who's even, maybe they're not contemplating going out and, and trying their hand at the World Long Drive Championships, but maybe they just want to hit the ball farther. One piece of advice I would give the amateur golfer, if they want to get further, yardage out of any of their clubs with all of the technology that we have these days. When I started playing golf, you just went and bought a set of clubs and you kind of worked with it until you figured out how to swing it. And uh, there was no testing available to find out and determine what types of clubs you needed or what shafts you needed in those clubs. And with that technology that we have now, I encourage people to go and have their swings tested because they can find out so much information about what they should be buying. Uh, if you go and buy a club right off of the rack, uh, it's a beautiful club. We all know that it is. It's a pricey club. But then we go and we expect it to do something that our old club doesn't do, and it doesn't. It does the exact same thing. And it's not the club's fault. It's the fault of the fact that we haven't been tested. It may be set up improperly for us. So we have to have the correct shaft. We have to have the correct head. We even have to have the correct grip on that club. I have big hands, so I use a mid-size grip, where some people just go and buy a club off the rack that has a regular size grip, and they may need a larger grip uh, to, to hold in their hands. So there are so many factors that we can utilize to get the clubs that fit us where we can swing the club that fits us and not have the club that we think we should be swinging. And that can improve the distance that we get because it will cut down the spin on the driver, which is the most important. You don't want to have that spin on the driver that you have on your irons and your hybrids to get you onto the green and to hold those greens you want to have the least amount of spin possible out of your driver to get the maximum yardage and that comes with having the right shaft and head in that club and then teeing the ball properly and then just swinging just let the club go don't try to hold it back i think that's some very very good advice david really quick how can people find you how can people find me? Yeah. Um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, they could go on and, and I'll be happy to be friends with them. Tell them anything that uh, they want to know there. 
Uh, that's the easiest way to find me now. There you go. David Brinker, world long drive champion. Anyway, we will be back next week with another edition of Grilling at the Green. Until then, um, take care. Go out and play some golf. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.